Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How have you been building a new studio space? Yeah, it's in, it's in K-Town. It's in, it's in a building with a bunch of other studios. So it's like me and a bunch of friends all share rooms like on the same floor of this building it's pretty cool how long have you been in there uh, i've only been there for maybe like two three months yeah but then did, do you know people who have been in the other rooms before you like you're saying you're on a corridor with a lot of people who make music yeah so each floor there's every room is like a studio or a tattoo studio or something like that and then um on my floor i have a handful of friends that had been there for like a year so they I was just going there all the time ended up like, oh, I just, I should get a studio here too. So I don't have to like borrow other people's rooms. Where were you making music before that? Did you have like a little home space or? Yeah, well I travel or I have traveled a lot. So I've just kind of had to like make do with what I have. And, but right before that I had gotten a, my own studio in Hollywood and I had that for a little while, but it was just like inconvenient for parking and I'm not a huge fan of Hollywood. And then like the, the space was much smaller than this new space that I have. But now I have both because I signed the lease for the other one. I'm stuck with it. But yeah. <laughs> what are you using the other one for then? I'm not using it for anything anymore. I'm like trying to come up with ways to somehow get it to be useful. Who knows? Any good ideas? Uh, at one point I was like... Maybe because I don't play pay electricity there. Like maybe I should just like mine a bunch of block or uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum or something out of there. <laughs> and now I'm just yeah, it's too much effort. That's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea, but I don't know if I'll ever do it. <laughs> how how far do you stay from the studio now? The one in K Town. Twenty five minutes away. I'm in Glendale. So if you get an idea and you feel like you need to make music and you need to get to the studio space, can you kind of preserve that energy by the time you get there? Oh, that's a good question. Um, sometimes, but most of the time, um, I just, I clock in, like I go there in the morning, I stay there all 
all day. And like, I just hope that the inspiration hits while I'm there, but I have like a schedule now, whereas before I didn't really have one. I just ended up kind of like being a slave to my own creativity. And like, now I have more of a schedule and like a life outside of just the studio. So yeah, it's, I just hope that the inspiration hits while I'm there and it usually does. Cause I make time for it. What does the rest of the schedule look like? What else are you kind of filling your days up with? I'd say like easily 80% of my time is just making music for other people like producing or writing. That's like, I find a lot of joy in that because it's like a little less um, indulgent, I guess. It's like helping someone else execute their, their vision is like full creative freedom for me. Whereas like for my own stuff, it's like, what do I want to say right now? And for them, it's like, how do I help you say that? Which I think is exciting. And so I'd spend 80% of the time, probably, you know, five days a week doing that. So is that the first question you would usually ask yourself before you're about to start creating? What do I want to say? Yeah. I mean, not all the time, but I think, I think that I have to have something to say in order for me to even see it through. And when you're saying that, is that quite a general thing or would it be about a particular experience or? Yeah, it can be broad. I just have to have like some reason to be making music or like some, you know, beyond like, cause I mean, for years uh, it was like, let's just make something cool and now i need something a little deeper like oh what do i actually want to say right now and yeah so it can be broad but as long as it's like driving me to want to keep doing it what was the answer to that question for mystery um mystery was i was thinking about this the time that i first met my girl there was like it was one of those rare situations where it was like instant instant attraction it was just such an interesting um, sense that like kind of came over me, I guess. And yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking about. That's what I wanted to say. Had it been a while since you'd felt that feeling before? Yeah. I don't know if I'd ever felt it like that. Yeah, probably. I don't know. That was a little while ago. That was like over three years ago. How come you came back to it now then? What brought you back to that memory? Uh, well, that was one of those weird ones where, I found this sound, this synth that I liked and the sound of it was like, oh, this is instantly attractive to me. Like I really, I instantly like this sound and it made me think of like the first night that I had met my girl. And yeah, I don't know. It was just like, it all kind of pieced together and I already had this like kind of poem that I was writing and yeah. That's interesting though. What are you able to work out what it was about that sound that brought you back to that night? No, I don't know. Maybe it was the music I was listening to around then or yeah, but sometimes sounds do that like certain instruments of like it will tell me what I want to say kind of. You said it started off as a poem as well. Yeah. It, well, you like a motif, like a couple of line thing. What were the lines that were in the poem? It was the fell in love at thrift store, purple coat and blue shoes. Now, okay, so like the opening lines. Yeah. But then you repeat them again on the second verse. Yeah. Nice. You, you know, you, you actually listen. That's cool. <laughs> Is that the reason? Because that was the kind of genuine spark for the song. Was that why you decided to come back to it again later on in the song for a second time? Yeah, probably. <laughs> you mentioned a little while ago as well that you used to travel a lot. Yeah. Was that for touring and for music or was that just more travel in general? No, no. Back then, nobody cared about my music 
enough for me to tour you know you have to have like people care to do big tours yeah so i was just traveling because i wanted to see the world i guess just yeah when i was 18 i moved to australia i was there for like three years and then moved back to alaska where i'm from and then to la because people were listening to my music and i thought like oh i should go to la and you know take this seriously were you writing the first album at that point when you were traveling no i was writing my first cp i wrote my first cp in australia i wrote my second ep in alaska and then i wrote my first album in la so you wrote the first album when you were kind of in the one place yeah that was all i mean i don't know because i w- i traveled but i had to record here in la but i was traveling all the time i'd go to colorado go to alaska do trips to see my girl stuff like that it's interesting you can hear that in the music in the sense that you quite often have a metaphor of movement like about mm. moving forward yeah particularly in the first time there's a good few songs that have kind of got that in it are you conscious that you're pulling it from that part of your life or is that something that's just coming out subconsciously oh yeah i don't know yeah i, I don't know i, I <laughs> think maybe it's like what intrigues me to write about or maybe where it's coming from i don't know it's a good question what kind of coming back to that record again what did you learn from making the album about your process and about the way that you made music that you then carried into this new single mystery what was the lesson you kind of took from making the album that felt you could apply to the process of creating that song uh i think i learned with the album like what i don't want to do with mystery i did the whole thing myself aside from my friend jenny who like was there when i was writing it and he was kind of like the vibe test i would be like is that cool and he's like yeah that's cool yeah i think i just learned like the less painful way to make a project my album my first album was like really painful in what way just hard to you know i was working on that for like almost two years and you like you change as a person you think like it's shitty and then you feel like shit all week and then you're you're trying to make something to try to make it cohesive and you're just trying to make sense of like all these things that you've made over the last two years and it was like really hard well you sat on it for a year the music was pretty much done for a year before it came out right yeah yeah nice because that's interesting because if you're keeping on making music in the meantime if you're continuing to create while you've got the album sitting there you must be progressing so by the time the album's coming out you must be like a year further along in the progression yeah that's what i learned mostly i think i just i'm so like diy independent like as a person and that was one of those things where like i just met a manager i was in la i was meeting with people and the whole that whole idea just slowed my process down to the point where i wasn't excited anymore you know i just felt like the most confused which kind of the whole album was about like if i'm cut out for this being a musician hence the name cut out and i was just so confused i was like a diy independent kid who had from alaska traveled a little bit and then like kind of ended up in this situation i guess as well because alaska to la like it's quite a culture shift yeah it's a culture shift and like you know when you're just starting in music you think like you think it's so many things or like the idea of writing an album you know you think it's so many things that it's not or it's different than you think it is and 
I remember I watched this in like the thick of it. I watched this James Blake interview where he was like writing an album is torture or he was talking about how it's torture and that like calmed me down. But in LA, I'm so involved in my music. That's why it's such a culture shock. Um, it's like everything matters with just music. Like I'm not, I'm not like out in nature, you know, like Alaska where I'm constantly reminded like, Oh, there's bigger things than this in LA. It's like, all music 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 do you try and make a conscious effort then to remind yourself of that or what can you do to kind of remind yourself and bring yourself out of that flow if it gets a little bit too intense i get out <laughs> I, I go to <laughs> i go to alaska or something <laughs> when was yeah. the last time you were there mm, i was there during the pandemic like when it first started i was there for like five months um i'm actually going in like a month to i just like i get all my ideas on paper here that's what i would say Alaska is almost like gathering the inspiration sometimes and getting a little bit of clarity and then it all just comes out when you get back to LA. Yeah, totally. Because like, I have the means to communicate it properly here. I have the studio and yeah. Once you start to realize things like that and also what you were saying about you not having a clear idea of what making an album is and what the music industry is, does that give you more control over your creativity? Does it make it easier to create? I think what's so funny is like, it's helped me help people way more like the people that come into my studio. Like I feel like I can really relate with them. I'm like, um, not protective over the artists that come through, but like, I feel like, a, like I know what you're going through. Cause a lot of the times it's newer artists, you know, just in the last year kind of started making music or dropping music or something like that. And yeah, I, I feel like with their creative, you know, process, it's like super helpful that I know a little bit more about it with my stuff. I don't think it's really, I think, uh, I'm just trusting myself like a lot more now. Like I'm not listening to people's advice with my stuff as much. I'm just, yeah, I I don't want to confuse what I already have going on with my stuff. When did you first believe in yourself? I don't know. Maybe when I started this project was like me really believing in myself because before that I had other things that I kind of like half-assed. You used to be in a punk band, right? Yeah. It was like an indie, I say punk or maybe have in other interviews or something, but it was like a kind of like a rock indie band. Was there anything you learned from that? Or was there something in that though that you needed to get out of your system before you could get to this point? Yeah, I think... Well, everybody in that band, that was a unique thing because everybody in the band was significantly older than me, you know, at least 10 years older. It made me feel like I had a lot to catch up and a lot to do. So I was like, yeah, just like trying to get significantly better every day, I think. Like with my writing, not necessarily my performing, um, but like writing the the best songs I could. How old were you at this point? Um, I think I was 16 or... Yeah, I was in little bands before that, but that, you know, when I was 16, like I got to play like bars and stuff and my dad would have to come because the shows were getting pretty big because everybody was like older in the band. I was the youngest one. And so I got to like play like decent, decent shows for an Alaskan rock band. We got to play all the cool venues and stuff like that. It sounds like though... It sounds like you were subscribing to that philosophy where if you surround yourself by people who are further along in the progression, maybe better than you, it's far more inspiring than if you surround yourself with people who aren't as good as you. 
Yeah, I think I just kind of fell into it though. I didn't even music is literally music and like skating and snowboarding and stuff like that. Really individualistic things are all I ever knew. So it's like no other option. I just I was surrounded by it because it's like literally all I knew. My dad is a tatted up skater guitar player. So it's like I was born into it. Did you feel like you were a part of a community when you were in that band at 16? Yeah, man. We actually all got it like tatted on our arms and stuff. It was like a like a gang. Not many people get that at 16. No, it was like I always tell the story of um, my Spanish teacher. Like I said, I don't know any Spanish. And the reason is because my Spanish teacher would go to the bar that I played at the handful of times that I got to play there. And he knew that I was seeing him like pretty drunk so he would just he would take it really easy on me in spanish class <laughs> he would like knuckle bump me and like you know i feel like he passed me because i didn't really know spanish at all how long did it take you to find a community in la um well the story of that is i convinced a couple of my friends to move down here with me and they were here for like a year almost a year so i had like two friends but, you know, I started meeting with people that were like interested in my music through email or whatever. And then we'd meet at like Qdoba or whatever. And yeah, I started, I started meeting people pretty quick, but I think now is the first time that I've like felt like a full on family vibe. Why now? I got new management. They're called bad habit. And it's just like, it's such a good team behind my back. That's like super supportive. And I got that studio and like people are like always around now. It's really cool. Do you feel more creative when you're around other people? Sometimes. Sometimes no. Sometimes yeah. Is that new management? Is that the first time you've been on management or had you had management before? I had management. It was a weird situation where the guy was so nice, but I think we were both under the assumption that I could eventually go on his management team. And then that just kind of never happened. So like when I found a team, it was like, Oh, I've needed this for a long time and it's no hard feelings with him, but that's kind of how it went down. He's, he's a really nice guy. Is that the guy that didn't like morning sex when you first played it to him? <laughs> that's right. How do you know that man? Done <laughs> <laughs> about digging whoa dude that's crazy <laughs> yeah he well it's not that he didn't he it was his least favorite and what's so funny is his favorites are the least successful and his least favorites are personally my favorites and everyone else's favorites so there was definitely a clash there why do you think that was he was a bit older than me and i don't know we just had different tastes like you could just tell in how he dressed and there's different different styles, different ways of how we looked at things. It's interesting that your favorites are ever are the same as everyone else's favorites though. Yeah, well sometimes I just know like, oh man, that's a good good melody. Like when we were writing Morning Sex, I was worried because I was like, is it too pop? Like it's such I love the melody so much, but is it It's so low key though. Yeah, it's so low key, but I remember telling my friends like ah, man they're probably going to hate me. Like it's too poppy, but I knew like, that's such a good melody. It's not even like I'm saying it. it's so good. Cause I wrote it. It's like, 
sometimes you make things that are like bigger than you. You're like, whoa, that's actually good. Melody is such an interesting thing because did it feel like you wrote it or does it almost feel like it's already out there and you're kind of just reeling it in and using it? Yeah, I think I was just, well, we had just got to LA when we wrote that song, me and some friends, and we were like drinking like all the time in this Airbnb. It was just so fun when that song was written. It was so weird because we all kind of locked on a very similar melody when we started making the beat. It was like everybody was kind of singing this a similar thing. Me and my buddy Eiler, who helped me with the with the song. It like so it came from somewhere else for sure. One of us wasn't like, that's the melody. We all kind of were singing a very similar thing over top of the beat. So were you did you write that melody on an instrument or did you just write that melody with your voice? Just singing it. Yeah, we were all singing it. Do you ever know? Do you notice a difference in the melodies that you write on an instrument compared to the melodies that just come out when you're singing atop a beat? Yeah. Okay. It's like all good to write melodies on instruments, but like it's not factoring in tonality, which is so important. Like how you're singing those notes, you know? And I've really realized that in uh, writing music for other people. Like I'll think when I'm writing a melody, I'm like, oh, this is the best melody for this beat for sure. This is a great melody. And then uh, they try to sing it. It's just not working. And then their idea like made sense for their voice. So I try to not write melodies on instruments. I try to try to sing it. We touched upon the idea or we touched upon rather the fact that you sat on the music for the debut record for a year before it came out. I understand the way you're working now, though, is almost like the complete inverse of that. Like you'll come up with a song, try and come up with a video as soon as possible and then put it out. Yeah, I do everything. I just mix it, master it, just try to go back to like what was the most enjoyable thing. Because at this point, like my project is just my passion. It's just fun. Like it's supposed to be fun. Yeah, I have this whole other thing of producing for other people. So like, why do I got to stress it? I don't think anybody wants to hear me like stressed out. And you have to be able to stand behind your music as a musician. You have to like fuck with your own music like you have to love it to be able to push it you know when you're waiting on something for a year you're over it so i'm not doing that anymore ever was that a direct response to the debut record this method you're working in now oh yeah i remember telling my old manager like we were kind of drunk eating some pizza and i was just like this is the worst like this is the worst year of my life like i hate this because you're just sitting on this and and then you start to hate it because You've listened to it too much, and but you know it has to come out. and You start yeah. to overthink it. Oh, yeah. So did you have to have it locked in a year before? It wasn't just a case of it being finished. It had to be kind of fixed in place. Well, it was like, I've, I'm super independent again. Like, I drop everything on TuneCore, which is like $10 for an album to distribute. In that case, it was this weird situation where I felt like I needed to do a distribution deal with the label, like they take a small percent, they give you a little bit of money and you can, you know, make an, make a music video and all this stuff. And it was just the worst idea because it postponed everything. So I wasn't excited about it. It didn't come from the same place as it used to. Like it felt like I gave up a lot of control, like in that I, I trust that you guys are going to push this. And I don't really have to, because that's your job. That's why you get this percent. And that's why we have this deal. You guys are supposed to put that out. And that's just not the case ever. The artist is always supposed to push it and try to promote it. And I just thought, 
it was a miscommunication almost like I thought, okay, you guys take care of this now. And that's just not how it worked out. And I, um, I won't do deals because like, it just doesn't make sense. I, I would rather stand behind this and like, it all falls on me. Did you feel detached from it? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Like I'm proud of it for sure. But yeah, when it came out, I, I was, yeah, felt totally detached from it and felt kind of pushed around and yeah, I'm, I'm proud of it though, man. Like some of my favorite songs I've ever wrote are on there. You were saying that through that deal, you get a little bit of money to do videos as well. Yeah. Was that what gave you the money to do the band's video? Yeah. But you know, those, this is why I'm independent. Those deals still make no sense. It's like, we're going to give you money, but you have to spend it all on your project. And you're just kind of left to be like, but like you have to mutually agree. And then they spend money on stuff that you just do not need as a independent, small indie artist like me, PR, like what's that to me? Like, you know, we were talking about this in the podcast the other day, the fact that the music industry is still hung up on this idea of all these middlemen. Yeah. It's just like, it's just completely pointless. And it like turns the artists into uh, frustrated people. It's just people giving themselves jobs. Like you don't really need PR anymore now that we're in this world. Absolutely. I didn't go through PR when we were setting up this podcast. I just emailed your manager because I found your music. Yeah. It's like, it can yeah. happen. There's, we're in this world where we can be connected so easily. Yeah, man. I, I mean, you said it on me, but giving people jobs, like it's, that's one thing that like, I'm openly, I think it annoys people how, how open I am about like, I don't need that. I'm, I'm DIY and I don't need, I mean, if I answered everyone that went in my email, like, Hey, can you pay me to do this? Like I get emails every day of people like, can you pay me to do this for you? And it's like, no. Why would I? It's tough because it kind of comes back to what you're saying about your old manager as well. Like I work with a lot of PR people who are really great people, really nice people. Oh, totally great. Yeah. But my issue is when I get an email from a PR person and I see all the bands, you know, like they put all their bands at the bottom of the email and I look at that list and I think only about three of those bands out of like 50 are full time. Like in a lot of these bands, these artists, these creators have to work jobs to supplement their art and you're making a full time salary doing pr for them yeah no it's it's wild well my manager was you know he that was he was passionately involved in my you know it wasn't a thing where yeah it's the difference yeah it was different for sure like i want to give him that respect absolutely really nice and was not taking advantage of me but in the same way i wasn't ready to have anyone like manage me i was not done managing myself and doing all that myself and like with you know a lot of these jobs playlists promoter things that like all these young artists are falling into it's just such a shame you know it's like those kids in school who just like so badly wanted something to do and then but it's kind of a negative impact on other people it's just yeah like playlist promoters are total rip off like don't do it if you're hearing me as an independent artist do not pay people to do that <laughs> It's like, um, it's almost like the new version of pay to play, isn't it? People are just trying to find a way to take money off artists' hands. Oh yeah, man. I mean, in LA, you meet a bunch of people who like, they bought everything. They bought their fan base. They bought their way into all these things. And it's just like, there's no point though. Nobody's actually on the other end of what you paid for. You know, you're not paying to get real fans or you're just getting numbers. So 
It's just strange. Do you think the way that you this kind of perception we've been talking about, is this partly because you come from Alaska, though, and you were able to see it for what it is from a slightly outside perspective? I don't know if I have like any better perspective or anything. I just think that, yeah, I don't know where it's coming from, man. I just, I can't lie to myself about stuff like that. Can you see it changing, what we've just been talking about? No, I think it's actually, I think it's getting worse man like people are more obsessed with the numbers and not what's you know on the other side of those numbers i i think but you know within my little world in la it's like all the artists are so rad like we don't really talk about that stuff but i just see or hear you know about other people yeah it's just like it doesn't really interfere with what i have going on absolutely like not at all but i just think it's like a lot of people sell themselves short because numbers almost matter more if you can equate those numbers to real people, though, like TikTok with yourself, yeah, that's a big number that you see, but at the same time, you can see everyone enjoying that song and connecting to it. Yeah, yeah. That's a way bigger thrill to watch people enjoy the song than a number. When did that actually start to pop off on TikTok? How long ago was that? Oh, dude, I actually don't know because I got in the game like late. I People were starting to go to my instagram or whatever just be like hey i heard your song on tiktok and and like none of my social medias are like blowing up you know so like it was like really interesting like why is everybody on tiktok and then i went and saw the song on all these videos and you know the videos have millions of views and there's tens of thousands of videos so i was like doing the math like damn like a lot of people are seeing this and hearing this song it kind of makes sense why it's like really ramping up and that was like a year ago or less but it's still the same pace it's just it's not like one of those things like you see these kids who just go like straight up it's like this you know really chill that's what you want though yeah maybe i mean maybe that's because i don't have like a huge tiktok campaign running right now it's just people actually using the video yeah i mean full transparency i tried when it fully blew up the first time i was like maybe i should try like fifteen hundred dollars in this like i've heard stories of you know going crazy and it just didn't really <laughs> didn't really do much <laughs> so learn my lesson there that comes back to the playlist promoter thing yeah it does i i bought like that's that's maybe that's also one of the reasons why there's a lot of things i haven't bought into but with the tiktok thing i i did it was like i went to a, a session with this kid and i won't say his name who is a tiktok he turned into um tiktok artist one of his songs blew up and they had like they had like the nicest cars i had seen in the driveway like you know beverly hills and i was like what the hell are they doing here man and they just blew this you know this one song up and and they were the ones that were like you know your song's moving on there like we can help you and i was like all right you try it but you know fifteen hundred dollars is nothing to, to these guys i was like i have a little bit <laughs> Is a part of it luck, do you think? Just some things pop off and some don't when you throw that $1,500 in? Yeah, I mean, who knows, man? I think that's like people trying to crack those codes now because it's like changing people's careers, but it's got to be. Or it's like geniuses, which I don't put it past people to be that smart. Yeah, someone's figured out that algorithm. Oh, yeah, they got to. <laughs> when... We were talking earlier about how you're at this point now where you're trying to release things a lot quicker. You write it, you do the video, then you release it all within quite a short time frame. 
Yeah. What was that chronology like for mystery? What was the kind of time span there? It was like I wrote it two weeks later, calling up some friends for a video. Three weeks later, video's done. It was like done in a month. Wow. So this was only written this year or completed yeah. this year. Yeah, it was like boom, boom, boom. I called the managers, sent them the song. Everybody's like, yeah, this is sick. We should do something with this. And it was so fast. It's awesome. How does that compare? Well, it's interesting. And how did that compare to what you expected of it? With what we were saying earlier on about how you felt a little burnt out by the time the album was coming out. Did, yeah. Was that almost the complete opposite of that then? Did you have a massive buzz as it was being released? Yeah, man. I remember like talking to one of the dudes that was helping with the music video. There's probably like eight staff there doing the video. And I was talking with one of them and I was like, I'm so inspired right now. Like, this is awesome. I was like beaming at the video shoot, you know, like I wrote this two weeks ago and like now there's people like putting up metal structures with cameras on a car and just so <laughs> like, I have the power to do this. Like, wow, I should do this more often. <laughs> Can I ever reinvigorate you if you come back to the video, like the morning sex video, I think you only put that out end of last year, but the song came out a couple years ago. Yeah. Well, that was just like such a funny situation because me and my girl were, were sitting here in my apartment and we we're like, wow, we're so bored and we should just go buy a camera and do this. What song should we do? And then we were like, oh, let's do morning sex. Like, that'd be fun. And then we went down to the park with my skateboard. Like, it was like, you know, first day we go get a camera. Second day we go out there and shoot. Third day we edit it. So, Do you feel inspired to create after that experience? Like after you put it up, do you feel kind of, can you feed off that buzz and put it into your creativity? Yeah, I think like, yeah, anytime I do something, myself or i have con creative control on something it's like uh i drank a red bull or something it's like let's go like let's do this all over again like we could do this all day i get like g'd up chasing that high yeah for sure because <laughs> it's cool you make it and then you put it out and like people are like enjoying it and you're like i i did that all here like right here and then it goes out and that video has like 3 million views. Like that was in my little apartment at the park down the street. Like what if we did it again? Like you just, all of these doors open up. Did you skateboard before you came to LA? Yeah. But everybody's giving me a hard time. Cause like, I'm not doing tricks. It's like, I'm wearing doc Martens. <laughs> like any skater knows you can't skate in docks. So now I got to do like some skate video <laughs> until I prove it to people. Do you skate about quite a lot? Is that your kind of means of transportation? Oh man, not anymore. Um, yeah, I just like don't skate as much anymore. I still like, I'll still go like skate the little bowl down here, but I don't like fully skate like street with my friends anymore. I, I drive a little Camry to my studio. I wanted to ask as well about the importance you kind of place on little details in storytelling and songwriting. We mentioned those first few lines of mystery or later on that came from the poem and throughout that song you have these little you pepper it with these little details from the event itself what do you think it is that's kind of drawing you to them in that way because you do a lot in your songwriting listening to Sufjan Stevens a lot growing up probably yeah it's probably kind of what got me into that it's like I don't know I think like some people need more than like just a vague song they need like really specific things like you know what was she wearing that day that I met her or and I really enjoy that when people 
put those little things in there because it makes me feel like they're actually it's their story not someone else's so i'm just obsessed with it are those little details pulled directly from life yeah or mostly my my life occasionally it'll be a story i heard from a friend or something like that and then i'm just like i have to write a song about that but always coming from the truth yeah it's always coming from the truth what can you let your imagination run in your songwriting then or do you always have to keep it very rooted in reality Mm, i think that it doesn't have to be specific to like yeah totally you can let your imagination run but the the idea of it is true or the uh, the core of the song is true to me but yeah like with shot down it's a great example like those specific times that i ran away in the story like i can't really remember exactly when i ran away to like go hang out with the girl at night for the sake of the song it's at night in the morning in winter or whatever you know it's like specific you're just doing it based upon if it feels right yeah to the song i guess does that kind of come back to what we're saying as well about you'll ask yourself when you're beginning why you're writing what you want to say once you've figured that out does it make it easier to let your imagination run because you can always relate it back to that yeah for sure it just keeps me writing the song instead of like oh yeah i guess this is cool and then shutting the computer and being like i'm I'm over it did you when you were making the album as well did you ask yourself that like you were saying that when you start every song you ask yourself what you want to say was that a different thing when you're making a record and you have like 10 tracks or whatever i'm more like that what do i want to say now it used to be when i was learning a lot about production it was like let's just make something cool and then you know maybe that will tell me what the song is and that's like how i operated for like a long time and now it's like like that where i i just can't i feel like i proved to myself the production part or i can you know make something that i like and now it's really focused on what i want to say but yeah for the album it was like just creating cool cool things and then it kind of was like oh i want to sing about this on this song or on this beat i wonder do you think that's maybe partly why you felt you began to feel detached from it too because you couldn't relate it back to a meaning you couldn't pull it back to that that thing that was at the core of it because it had just been created around these concepts that you felt like were cool at the time dude maybe because most of what i'm proud of in those songs is the production it's not or you know the the style of song particularly like ben's i love the style of it feels really cool but it's not my favorite songwriting ben's i think my earlier stuff or the stuff that's going to be coming out is better songwriting you know what does better songwriting look like for you where the lyrics and the melody like go hand in hand like if the melody is sad and the lyrics are marrying each other that's that's good songwriting to me everything lays into each other like perfectly and doesn't feel boxy the transitions are nice and yeah just like takes you somewhere when you say everything blends into each other do you mean when you're kind of transitioning from section to section in a song yeah exactly what do you think was making it feel a little bit more separate before oh i think I think, you know, the work that I have out hopefully feels like it's moving. That's something I really prioritize for sure. But yeah, I think just like now I like really stress it, you know, seeing through the sections of the song instead of parts, stuff like that. When you were talking before as well about how you used to kind of focus a lot on the production and that would be what you were kind of centering yourself around, does that come back to something like 
lonely. You know, is it a clock you sample? What's the kind of like the the two? Yeah, it's, that's supposed to be like because I'm saying tie me down. I'm thinking of like someone like ratchet strapping me to the table. Ah, okay. I was gonna say it was. Um, I was gonna ask you about built out from that, but then that must be something that comes directly from the lyrics, does it? That's where that sound comes from. Yeah. When did you first start to do that and kind of play around with experimental sounds in that way? I don't know. I just like my early stuff is even quirkier, man. Like the moving to LA song, like I was walking to the the liquor store and I had a zoom recorder and every sound in that song is me walking from me walking to the store. And then I got there, I had had a few beers and I got there and I'm like telling the guy to like shut the cash register so I can mic it. Like every part of that song is me with this little zoom recorder and i would love to go back to doing that that'd be pretty cool pretty cool do you still carry a zoom around with you now actually i do yeah but like the new phone mics are just as good as my old zoom recorder crazy good yeah super good so i you know i shouldn't what was the last sound you recorded when you were out and about what was the last thing that caught your ear sparked your imagination and you thought i've got to grab that well i to this day will like sing a little something in my phone if I get like a melody idea, that's pretty much the only thing I record now. Like I just totally lost sight of field recording and then turning that into songs. I feel like I got more obsessed with instruments in my studio and less obsessed with like found sound. Is it almost unless you can, when you were capturing those sounds before, did you already have an idea for where they were going to go in the song? Not at all. Yeah, no, not at all. It was just like edit the little sounds and then like put it in my beat pad and try to, you know, make a little beat out of it. But I had nothing back then, man. Like literally all I had is my computer, my guitar and my little mic. Like I didn't have the means to like, I had to use found sound. And that's what forced you to be so creative initially though. Those limitations, those restrictions. Yeah, for sure. Is that something you can get back to now? Yeah. I mean, I still feel really creative and the limitations now are like, what can this instrument do? What can this drum kit do instead of it's almost like less limitations with found sound almost it's like i could i would like to go back to it just because it's like my roots do you think you would have to find a way to do something different with it though yeah maybe i don't know to keep Who it interesting knows? for yourself yeah probably probably i haven't done it in a while it might be interesting enough just returning to it you mentioned earlier on as well about how you're working with quite a lot of artists at the moment and you'll produce other people yeah how does the headspace of being creative when you're producing someone compare to the headspace of being creative when you're writing for yourself? Just less vulnerable. Like writing for other people is less vulnerable for me. It's like just aiding them to be vulnerable and true to them. And when I'm writing for myself, it's like different type of fulfillment and super vulnerable. Where do you think you've been the most vulnerable in your music? I think like some of the acoustic songs are like they're too vulnerable like they're so vulnerable i can't like just enjoy them like uh what's the last song on the album again oh slow down yeah, yeah, yeah i can enjoy that one but i think like last time that song is just like heartache one of my favorite songs i've ever done or like proudest is better things i just like i was just in a perfect place to write that and just because it was so easy and it was easy to be vulnerable at that point. Like I remember that like fondly. That's a funny juxtaposition. A yeah. fond memory of being vulnerable. 
Yeah, because it was easy, you know, it wasn't hard to be vulnerable. Well, I've heard that said before that, you know, I've heard songwriters say before that good music is either written from a place of extreme depression or a place of extreme joy. Yeah. Do you feel like that rings true to you based on what you were just saying there? Yeah, but I think both are like being vulnerable. Extreme joy, like you ever, I, I was watching this, um, this TikTok or something. It was like, it was talking about how people that are like really corny and cheesy are the happiest people. And it's just so true. Like they're just being vulnerable. They're so happy and so joyful. It's like vulnerability almost. And it can come across cheesy, just like extreme sadness or extreme vulnerability in general can be corny, cheesy, but like both sides are dope. Is it kind of like the happy, cl- uh, the sad clown thing? Do you think though? Sad clown. Yeah, with that person. Like there's a darkness kind of lurking underneath that corniness. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe, man. You know what? I think sometimes, well, like some people are like, just like whack, like it's not true. But then I meet some people where it's like, you are just like, you, you're really authentically corny and like, it's really cool. Like, I love it. But yeah, <laughs> some people are. If totally it's authentic fake. to yourself, that's all you can, that's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> what uh what experiences changed the way you think about music more than any other i think like being in australia and like watching people enjoy types of music that i didn't enjoy originally like i would go and like listen to house music and just watching a room full of people transform into this like stepping or shuffling situations like that where i travel and i'm like whoa i was in mexico you know a couple months ago and like in the cab the guy was playing a song and the way that the wind was hitting me through the window and like the the fact that he was listening to it and i was in mexico it just like changed how i perceived like mariachi music yeah so it's constantly like i get hit with all types of usually it's like moments where i'm traveling and i'm like i understand this culture and the music that's coming from this culture now Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.